Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa Buddhang dhammang sanghang namasami. Well, good afternoon and um, welcome to Amravati again. This uh, theme for the afternoon is uh, how does metta practice benefit the world? So uh, some of you will be very familiar with the idea of uh, loving kindness meditation, metta, metta bhavana. Some of you uh, might not be, um, but uh, for the uh, the benefit of, of those who are less familiar with it, so metta bhavana, loving kindness meditation, is one of the um, say traditional practices associated with uh, the Buddhist uh, the Buddhist teachings and uh, the Buddhist tradition, and uh, there are various ways that it's often taught and developed, and so the the uh, uh, Often the the encouragement is to say bring to mind first of all uh, the thought of loving kindness towards yourself, and with the words uh, "May I be well," or "May I may I be uh, at ease," "May I be at peace," and uh, spreading loving kindness to yourself and bringing up that thought, and then uh, spreading that thought um, then to uh, other uh, say categories of of beings. First of all, to the people that are very close to you, uh, people that say in your family or your people that you live with, uh, your closest uh, friends and so on. And then um, to uh, people who uh, say you are um, uh, less familiar with, the people who are uh, some of the people that you work with or people that uh, you have uh, known in the past, uh, people who have uh, you come in contact with you know, many years ago. So going through the categories of of, uh, of people in terms of your relationship to them, uh, well-known, uh, medium, well-known, uh, not, not known very much. And then through the categories of different, uh, uh, say, uh, living beings, so the the uh, uh, people around the world in, uh, in other countries, um, then the categories of beings such as uh, animals, going through long lists of um, Say mammals, uh, uh, reptiles, amphibians, birds, fishes, uh, and so on and so forth. So going through a, a long list of, of different kinds of beings, so one by one, saying, you know, may all fishes be happy, and may all the beings living in the in the oceans, in the seas, and the rivers, uh, may they be well, may they be happy, may they be at peace. All the the birds flying through the air, all the creatures who are living in the air, the flying insects. And uh, airborne creatures, or the creatures living on the land, uh, in the forests, in the mountains, on, uh, in the woods, um, all the beings living under the ground, you know, <laughs> tunneling beings, voles, moles, etc., etc. So that uh, this is a, a one particular kind of, of uh, meta meditation, going through the um, different categories of beings, starting with the humans, and then uh, going through. Uh, the different uh, types of uh, living beings on this planet, and then you can get even more expansive. Say, well, are, are the beings living in 
different realms of existence down in the uh, the uh, uh, the the realm of the hungry ghosts down in the hell realms uh, up in the heavenly realms on other planets across the cosmos uh, to uh, to spread loving kindness to you know, to all, uh, all those beings also uh, another method rather than going through the categories of beings you can uh, uh, go about it geographically so you start off with say amravati and then um, uh, again beginning with uh, say directing loving kindness towards yourself say may i be well may i be at ease then say may all the other people who are gathered together in this uh, this hall in the sala here at amravati may uh, all the people be at ease all the other beings that are living here the you know spiders the the um, dust mites, <laughs> the, all the, the creatures living in the kitchen that we don't want to think about. <laughs> yeah, may they be at ease, may they be happy. Um, and so spreading out that feeling, so around uh, Amravati and then around Great Gadsden, around the uh, Berkhamsted, Hemel Hempstead area, through Decorum Borough and through Hertfordshire and through um, southern England, so spreading out, visualizing this wave of loving kindness spreading out from your own, uh, your own jitta, your own heart at the center and radiating out slowly like a kind of spreading pool, a spreading field of, of friendliness and warmth out over the whole country, across the channel, through the, you know, France and Germany, Europe, Italy, um, across the Mediterranean, North Africa, into Scandinavia, across the Atlantic, Greenland, the Faroe Islands, over to uh, Canada and the USA, South America, Caribbean and so on. And so using a kind of geographical model of, say, spreading the, uh, the feeling of, uh, of loving kindness. Say, may all beings that are, say, in the Caribbean, may they be happy, may they be at ease, may they be free from suffering. Yeah, everybody in all beings living in North America, South America, across the Pacific, the Arctic, the Antarctic. And then again, out from the, the world, out into the... Um, uh, the rest of the solar system out into space uh, and and uh, so forth through other realms of beings so these are the, a couple of the traditional ways that the meta practice is taught now uh, uh, any of you who have, um, <coughs> have done this kind of meditation in the past you realize it can be a bit of a laundry list or a kind of geography lesson I, now what's the country that's immediately what's the one that's to the <laughs> The right of Italy. Now, what is that? You know, or you get you get uh, stuck in the Balkans. You know, <laughs> or in North Africa. Now, which one is? You know, where is Algeria? And um, so it can become very sort of me mechanical or um, a bit um, uh, caught up in the um, just uh, remembering the, the names or the different beings that you bring to mind. Say or. Um, or <coughs> The, um, uh, the, the mind can get quite sort of busy with this, uh, this uh, process of just uh, thinking and bringing into consciousness the ideas of, uh, of these different categories of, of people and beings in different places. So, um, and so when we are, the question is asked, uh, how does uh, metta practice uh, benefit the world? Then... Uh, I didn't actually uh, think of this title myself, uh, that, uh, but it's the kind of thing that people ask. So if you are doing this sort of practice, spreading loving kindness around the planet, does it really have an effect? If you're thinking of the, the, the people you know, or, the, or the beings living under the oceans, you know, do, the, do the, the, the giant squid living you know, <coughs> under, the, uh, 
uh, under the sea down in the uh, in the Antarctic? Do they really feel anything when I take the trouble to spend spend loving kindness to to the uh, all the beings dwelling in the ocean? Does it really affect the sort of herds you know, the 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 herds of of, of zebras across the African plains or do the the uh, the plankton the swarms of plankton you know do they really feel anything can they can they <laughs> can they pick up the vibes when I'm taking all this trouble to spread meta to to these uh, beings uh, all around the the world and out through the universe so people wonder about this kind of thing because also being a um, uh, say uh, uh, rationalistic culture in in the main we wonder well we, what's the point of doing this is this helping anything or helping anybody so uh, this kind of question is not just confined to the the Buddhist realm uh, and uh, some of you might be aware that a few years ago well, they've done a few different scientific studies uh, just got a minor scientific track here um, on the effectiveness of prayer and uh, there was a number of studies done and they were not particularly uh, rigorous in, uh, and so about seven years ago Harvard University uh, did a, a, um, a large-scale study that was, uh, was set up in, uh, with very, very kind of tight parameters and careful um, scientific boundaries. There was a fellow called Herbert Benson was the one who ran this study and it was to see does prayer actually do any good and prayers for the sick in particular. And so they got um, various different Christian church groups <laughs> so, to, uh, to be the uh, part of the experiment. And they had uh, uh, something like about 1,800 heart patients in various different parts of the, the USA were the subjects. And they were prayed for. Some of them knew they were being prayed for. Some of them didn't know they were being prayed for. Um, and uh, so on and so forth. I won't go into the, the details of the experiment. But uh, the, the <clears throat> end result of it was that uh, there was no discernible effect. You know, the, the, the recovery from heart disease was not improved by being prayed for. And in fact, it actually got, it was a, a lower recovery rate. Some, uh, some portions of the group, they actually got worse when they knew they were being prayed for. So Richard Dawkins was, of course, extremely happy about that. So his, his heart was buoyed up by the... the uh, the uh, the news that it didn't really work very well or had a, a negative effect and they had the assumption that people knew they were being prayed for and they weren't uh, they weren't getting any better so it made them made them feel worse off than they were before but anyway I won't read too much into it but anyway when they did this study and it was quite thoroughly um, uh, say explored they, they couldn't pick up any um, discernible effect of course those of us who are card carrying Buddhists might think well of course they asked Buddhists <laughs> to do uh, metta meditation instead of having Christian prayers and it would have been a whole different story but uh, so you're, you're welcome to hold on to that view if you wish uh, maybe it's, it's true maybe it's not you know, have to do another study with a whole group of uh, uh, Buddhist um, uh, meditators but anyway uh, the, that that was uh, an inquiry just to, to see what was there any kind of discernible effect um, and so that, uh, at least on that level, that no effect was was uh, discernible, was, was measurable. And uh, it was also, as, as another slight sidetrack on this whole issue, um, when, uh, quite a lot, uh, quite a, a lot longer ago in this country, there was a, a, a Christian convent, a group of poor clares, 
and they had uh, applied for charitable status. But in order to be a, a charity, a religious charity in this country, you have to show a public benefit. <laughs> and so what they, they and they're being an enclosed community, they had no contact with the outside world at all. And so they, part of what they said, well, what they do is they pray for people. And the Charity Commission did not accept that as a basis. That uh, just being pray, just praying for others, that even the Charity Commission did not accept that was any kind of public benefit. So I'm not, this is not an anti-Christian diatribe, but just, uh, um, just saying that, that um, even the law of the country does not recognize that, um, uh, that meta practice or, or being prayed for or sending out thoughts of caring and kindness has any kind of discernible or measurable or, or, or real effect. So, uh, I'm not saying that there isn't any effect. I mean, you might think this is going to be a very short talk. <laughs> it might be. But uh, just to, to, I wanted to touch on that first of all, to say that, you know, from the, these kind of objective measures, um, then there, uh, you, there's nothing sort of that people can, say, point to in terms of scientific fact and say, yes, look, this is an observable thing. So, uh, when we practice loving-kindness meditation also, another of the... Um, say the, the interesting things or what can be a, an obstacle. Um, some people maybe when they when you practice loving-kindness meditation it has a very powerful positive effect both on yourself, you feel um, uh, direct benefit uh, on your own sense of well-being and also that you have and you experience for yourself the, the positive and helpful effects on, on others. Um, but uh, also uh, what uh, sometimes we can experience, and I certainly found this for myself, was that when you are carrying out this kind of meditation, and you're trying to rouse these thoughts, you know, may all beings be happy, may I be well, may all beings be well, um, it can actually be quite irritating. And that's, uh, so often on retreats, people will say, well, I was doing fine until we had that meta meditation. And it was so annoying. <laughs> Having to rouse all these positive thoughts and sort of have all these kind of nice, uh, nice thoughts of all beings. He said, it made me think I, I was trapped in some kind of Walt Disney nightmare. <laughs> trying to, to, to think of all sorts of nice thoughts and to like everything. And, uh, and this is a subject that uh, Lumpur Sumedha would often talk about, saying when you're, you're being told to think pink <laughs> and to, to sort of have positive thoughts, he said, it have this instantaneous effect of making me feel really, uh, really annoyed. <laughs> and would bring up this sort of negativity, like, I don't care about anybody else. Or, you know. And that uh, it would be these sort of strangely sour or negative feelings that would rise up within him. And uh, um, so, so a number of people have this kind of experience. And uh, to the extent that I actually once saw a day-long meditation build on the, the subject of, I hate meta. <laughs> Because that, uh, uh, that with, with loving-kindness, there can be this misunderstanding or a way of, of uh, say, uh, picking it up and thinking that it's, we're supposed to generate feelings of, uh, of liking um, uh, and, um, say, the, the feelings of, um, say, of uh, love and appreciation for all beings everywhere. And when it's picked up in that, that kind of a way, it can be like, uh, like with, with uh, Ajahn Sumedho saying that sort of the irritating think pink <laughs> encouragement, that uh, you're having to override your natural sense of, of discomfort or there are things in life that you just don't like. 
that there are things that you you can't pretend you feel positive or, or happy about, and that uh, when we we pick up uh, loving kindness or metta in this way, we think it's supposed to be trying to generate the feeling of, of liking towards everything, then uh, there's a kind of hypocrisy within us. There's a we're kind of overriding that feeling that you you're you're not happy about people who are uh, abusing others, people who are who are um, bombing and uh, yeah and uh, destroying the lives of, of innocent people, those who are uh, causing harm to others. You can't pretend you know, that you feel uh, uh, say joy or delight at. Uh, and uh, that, say, the effort to, say, to um, conjure up the feelings or the sense of, um, you know, uh, uh, I, I like, you, you know, I love you so much, I appreciate you, and uh, may you be happy. So, well, if what makes them happy is blowing other people up, <laughs> then that uh, there's a kind of dislocation, uh, a discomfort within us. We feel like we're we're just um, sugaring everything over and pretending to ourselves. <clears throat> So that uh, what I found uh, uh, very helpful, because I, I would find that um, not so much that I would find meta practice um, uh, would bring up that kind of negativity in myself, but I, I found it became very mechanical, just sort of going through the lists. I have quite a, a sort of list-making mind, <laughs> and I would be quite uh, caught up in the, the detail of trying to remember yeah, which countries I'd gone to <laughs> and, and which categories of beings I'd dealt with already. So, oh, sorry, I forgot, I forgot the tortoises, you know. Uh, and uh, and so it became a kind of mechanical process. So uh, what um, what I found extremely helpful was uh, with listening to uh, Ajahn Sumedho speaking many years ago about how when uh, he tried to practice uh, loving kindness meditation in, in this sort of systematic way, it would bring up these feelings of annoyance. And he he said, I had this insight that. There are things in, in the world, there are things in life that you just can't like. It, you are, and if you try to pretend that you like them or you make yourself like them, you're just uh, uh, lying to yourself or you're, you're, there's a kind of hypocrisy there. And then he realized, well, actually, when we say, uh, we, we say metta means to love, to love doesn't mean the same thing as to like. And that uh, you can love something without liking it. You can have a, a quality of of say acceptance of of the way something is that even though you don't approve of some beings actions some persons actions you can't uh, like what they do uh, you uh, but you can uh, not dwell in aversion you cannot abide in a, a negativity towards them and I when he started to talk like that I, I felt uh, as uh, an immediate affinity oh, that makes more sense so does that uh, does that uh, ring a uh, it kind of rings a different chord for me? So hopefully it does for you as well. Because when we use the English word love, we tend to blur it uh, into meaning uh, liking, and that I uh, say so you uh, uh, when you are um, developing loving kindness meditation towards yourself, uh, <clears throat> then you're not trying to pretend that you'd like your. Uh, your tendencies towards selfishness or towards anger or towards jealousy or you're not pretending that you uh, you know, you'd like uh, your your laziness or your your greed uh, or with in relationship to other people the, the the people who've hurt you in your life or caused you great harm or you see 
causing harm to others, you're not saying that you're 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 approving or, or you you like what they do, or the things that they have done are pleasing, but you can recognize this happens in in nature that there is uh, there is violence in the natural world that, that some people uh, act in ways that are, are harmful and uh, and destructive. Uh, we ourselves might have some uh, habits, tendencies, things that we've done that were were really regrettable. But and we're not trying to pretend that we we like them. But we're, we're what we're recognizing is that this is the way things are. This these qualities of selfishness or, or greed or anger and jealousy they exist in the natural world. They're part of the natural order. So um, when we say uh, uh, practice loving kindness towards uh, all beings, towards ourselves and towards other beings, then it uh, it makes more sense and it's more more realistic, more meaningful. To consider this in terms of uh, a radical acceptance of of all beings, and so you're you're not trying to pretend you are liking the unlikable, but you're recognizing here it is. This is the way things are. So, like if you have a a migraine, you can't pretend that you like it. Oh, how marvelous! <laughs> yeah, you might try and do a little bit of thinking pink. Oh, what a wonderful opportunity to develop patience. <laughs> yeah, I've had a migraine for three days. <laughs> Or that uh, someone's got a vendetta against me. Someone is uh, has got uh, you know, very negative thoughts and is trying to make your life difficult. Oh, how marvelous! Yeah, this is a great opportunity to learn patience and uh, and to not bear grudges. <laughs> and uh, so we can try and sugar it over, but uh, in actuality, um, the uh, that painful experience, say a, a, a migraine headache, or um, somebody who's got you know, very negative feelings towards us, or the uh, say a, a, someone that has been a, 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 uh, our ex ex spouses are particularly good for this, you know, because when you are uh, when you're doing a, say teaching a loving kindness meditation and you are, invite people to arouse, uh, to arouse the thought may all beings be may all beings be happy oftentimes people say yeah right uh, what i experienced was it may all beings be happy except her you know or him <laughs> and there's a sort of uh, vivid and uh, and very um, immediate sense of, of like there's certain beings are excluded here and uh, back in the uh, in the old days when uh, lumpur sameda would be teaching this margaret thatcher was a very good um, yeah, he he would deliberately bring her in if he was leading a loving kindness meditation. So you know, may all the uh, all the beings in in uh, Amravati, all the beings in Hertfordshire, in London, yeah, may uh, Margaret Thatcher be happy. And, and he would just, I mean, he he could be quite kind of provocative. So he kind of, he knew he'd get a reaction, and he could feel this sort of <laughs> lurch go through the the room at the the. The concept of uh, of uh, spreading loving kindness to Margaret Thatcher. So um, obviously that that era has passed by now. But um, it, <coughs> what what he would uh, point to is that the uh, that the essence of loving kindness is more to do with that uh, radical acceptance and not dwelling in aversion towards uh, another being. That that in our, a place in our heart that we can recognize this is part of the whole picture. Even um, uh, I say unlikable political leaders. <laughs> uh, they are part of the way things are. They are they're part of the natural order. You're not necessarily approving of their actions, but they are part of 
uh, of life. They're part of the, the, the natural system. They're here. They belong. And so I felt when, when uh, he started to teach about loving kindness in that way, that was extremely helpful. And so uh, he would uh, uh, point out uh, that um, if you are trying, to, if you're feeling uh, uh, resentment or anger towards somebody, an ex-partner, or to your dharma teacher who's let you down, <laughs> or to your prime minister that you love to hate, then if you're trying to climb over your anger and then through gritted teeth saying, "May Margaret Thatcher be happy," you know, "May she be well," or, or Ajahn so and so, or, or you know, her or him, um, through gritted teeth. Uh, then you're trying to climb over that negativity to get to a place where you are uh, you're imagining on the other side where you will like everything or like everybody and have this sort of um, Walt Disney-esque uh, sort of, uh, cheerful and, and, uh, and friendly attitude towards uh, all others. But he said that, that uh, when we do that, then we are already living in a... In a um, a kind of uh, fantasy world. We're not. We're not living with a reality. It's far more realistic and useful to actually have loving kindness for your own anger, for you to to have a, a kindness towards your own negativity, your own laziness, your own jealousy, and, and uh, your own uh, rigidity of views and such like. Which doesn't mean to say, oh, how wonderful! I'm a not. <laughs> it's glorious that I'm a selfish and greedy person. <laughs> and if you don't like it, you should just get over it. You know, it's it's not that. It's more like saying, "Well, uh, this is a a, a human life, and, and in this mind, this mind has the capacity both for wisdom and kindness and love. It also has the capacity for selfishness and greed, uh, uh, negativity, and uh, this is part of the whole natural system, the part of the natural order. So you're not um, justifying uh, your uh, unwholesome qualities, but you're saying, here they are." This is part of the natural system. If you, if we go around the grounds at Amravati and explain to um, to the cats they're not supposed to you know, hunt mice in the hedges, <laughs> or we explain to the, uh, the the buzzards that they're not supposed to be uh, uh, to be catching the the uh, the voles and the and the um, uh, the uh, wild creatures in the in the fields, you know, they're not going to listen because they're they're a predator. They're, they're a sort of meat eating. Predator, you can explain the first precept <laughs> to, to to the cats and to the to the uh, the birds, the the, uh, the hawks and the raptors, but uh, they're not going to listen. And and you're asking too much. You're you're coming from an idealistic place. So, in this respect, rather than trying to climb over our uh, negativity or our aversion to get to the place where we like everything on the other side, where we are thinking pink. Uh, instead, it's more helpful to recognize here is the feeling of anger, here is the feeling of jealousy, here is the feeling of, of selfishness, it's, and, here, this, and it's like this. So you're not condoning it, you're not pretending that it's a wonderful and beautiful thing, <laughs> but you're saying, here it is, this is part of the natural order. So th uh, when we think about loving kindness in this way, then we can see well, whether it has a uh, an effect on the rest of the world, whether the the, uh, the creatures in the seas and the skies far away are um, are having a uh, uh, say uh, uh, experiencing a direct effect or direct benefit from our thoughts of loving kindness. What we can see is that when we relate to our own mind in this way, it can have a very radical effect 
upon the um, the way that that we are. Because uh, any, any of us who try to practice meditation, you try to to deal with your uh, your uh, say negative emotions, uh, greediness or, or uh, uh, aversion, uh, anger, jealousy, and so forth, just by suppressing them or pushing them away or just trying to, to think positively, it doesn't work, does it? Uh, in fact, the more we try to push them away and or suppress them, then the stronger they get. We just bury those those habits and then they, they rise up again with great vigor. But instead, if we are, are able to bring loving kindness and have a quality uh, of acceptance towards, um, say, our, our negative emotions so that we're able to recognize this is the feeling of of fear, this is a feeling of, of desire or greed, this is a feeling of, of anger or jealousy, and there is that acceptance of, yeah, this is part of nature, then we're able to, uh, <coughs> to direct our mind in a skillful way. So you're not afraid of that, you're not pretending it's not there, you're not suppressing it, you're not condoning it or just being swept along by it, but rather you're seeing that it's, um, there is this tendency uh, the uh, within the within the heart, there's that capacity to be um, uh, experiencing these negative emotions. But when they are accepted with a, an attitude of loving kindness, then there is a, a clarity within us, and we're much more able to make uh, skillful choices. So the, the example that I give is that that uh, when we are developing this kind of acceptance. It's rather like coming to a junction in the road. So like if you go down the hill from Amravati and you get to the crossroads in Great Gadsden, if you go right, that'll take you to Hemel Hempstead. If you go left, it'll take you to Leighton Buzzard. So <clears throat> in a similar way, when we, we see uh, the, the uh, nature of our own mind, there might be a, a, a negative angry thought in one direction. and There might be a, a friendly helpful uh, impulse in the other direction. So if you feel that angry, negative impulse, uh, say that's the road to Leighton Buzzard, <laughs> say, okay, well, uh, <clears throat> this is an angry impulse. Somebody just said something that upset me and uh, it touched a raw nerve. Now, if I, if I, if I follow that, that's going to be painful for me. It's going to be painful for them. Everybody loses. Uh, so if I, uh, if I, at this point, practice... Uh, restraint. If I choose not to to act on that impulse, but instead I uh, I uh, I uh, develop the quality of, of patience and wait before I say something, um, then uh, I'll, I'll be uh, 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 able to to remain at peace, and the other person won't feel attacked either. So everybody benefits. And then <clears throat> you're not saying that. That angry impulse is, is of evil or bad or, or something intrinsically wrong. It's just that's the direction I don't want to go. Like if you get to the junction, you want to go to Hemel <laughs> and uh, back to the the M25, then you take a right. You go, you, you turn right at the junction. Um, that's the that's the turn that will take us to where we want to go. If we go the other way, if we take the the left turn, that'll take us the direction we don't want to go. So it's a very simple, pragmatic choice. Um, and that we can relate to our own skillful and unskillful qualities in this way. So that the, the attitude of, of metta, of loving kindness, informs a foundation, a, kind of a foundation of, of realism within us uh, upon which we can make uh, skillful choices. Does that make sense? Yeah. So in this way, uh, rather than loving kindness being a kind of additional practice that's sort of tacked on the edge, and sometimes you know, when you, you, you come on a meditation retreat and... Um, 
uh, most of the meditation instruction is about concentration or about the development of insight, and then you do a, a kind of a little bit of metta, sort of uh, have a metta meditation one morning, like a kind of after dinner mint, a sort of a, an extra little sort of sweet thing tacked on the edge. Uh, like, well, I think, you know, Vipassana meditation, that's the most important thing, but I kind of like a little meta now and then. It's a sort of a, a sweetener or an, like a little kind of chocolate with your coffee. I, I don't feel that's a, a, a very skillful way of relating to it at all, but far more that um, uh, the meta practice or the, the genuine development of loving kindness is so important that it's really the foundation for any kind of concentration or any kind of, of uh, insight. Because if there isn't that that foundation, that basis of, of acceptance, then you're always going to be pushing away the unskillful habits of mind, like trying to force them, the thinking mind to, to shut up and be quiet, or trying to suppress our, uh, our urges towards desire, or towards uh, fear, or towards uh, negativity. And we, we push them away, suppress them, and try to keep our mind uh, on the, the meditation object. And so as long as there's that kind of uh, pushing and suppressing going on, then there's never going to be any kind of real peacefulness. There's never going to be any real clarity in the meditation. Uh, but if we uh, cultivate this uh, fundamental attitude of, of loving kindness and saying, yes, well, uh, chattering thoughts, they belong. They're part of the whole system. Uh, irritating impulses, the, the feelings of, sort of homicidal rage at the the way that the person sitting next to you breathes in that really annoying way. They know that it's upsetting and they're doing it on purpose. You know, I know it. Well, that, uh, all right, Lumpur Samedo would always use the example of the, somebody coming into the hall with a really noisy nylon jacket. That's it. And that these kind of violent urges, I can't believe it. You know. You know, I've made all these hints about noisy clothing and this nylon jacket, and still there. You know, it's the fourth day of the retreat, and they keep coming in, and they they don't get the, the to recognize those uh, you know homicidal urges are also part of the the way things are. You just choose not to act on, especially if you're leading the retreat. It's supposed to be a a, a kind of model of nonviolence. You know, you, that uh, you recognize, well, that's a homicidal urge, and uh, I choose not to follow it. This, this good gentleman has just uh, chosen not to get the hint about wearing jackets that make a lot of noise, and um, so uh, I can just let that be sound <laughs> and leave that alone. So uh, that, uh, in that way, we're recognizing those uh, the unskillful negative uh, impulses and just like coming to the junction, okay, where do you want to go? Do you want to go north or do you want to go south? If you want to go back towards London and to the, to the motorway, then you, you head south. Uh, it's, not, uh, it's not because south is intrinsically good and, and wonderful or that north is evil. It's just that's the direction you want to go. You want to go towards clarity and concentration and, and uh, peacefulness, okay, <laughs> go right. If you want to go towards more conflict and confusion and tension, okay, go left. <laughs> but, uh, that's going to be the, the result of it. So this is also echoed, uh, you know, these, these, the, the more kind of classical um, style of, uh, what we think of as the classical style of meta-meditation, you don't actually find that anywhere in the Pali Canon, that sort of, uh, uh, that spreading loving-kindness or geographically or through categories of beings. You don't really get that in, in the Pali Canon. Um, which is kind of interesting, but it's a, a methodology of practice that has grown up uh, over uh, 
over time since uh, after the Buddha's own era. But what you do get in the in, in the Sutta, which is I find is very interesting, is in a sense an example of this same um, capacity to, to not dwell in aversion. And in the the Sutta called the Simile of the Saw, uh, this is a very uh, dramatically the Buddha the Buddha was very good at bringing forth dramatic and memorable images. And uh, in talking about loving kindness, he says, if you were if you've been kidnapped by captured by bandits and they were saw, they were brutally sawing you limb from limb with a two-handled saw so like you, you've been captured by bandits and they're, they're sawing your arms and legs off like, with a like sawing your arms and legs off he said if you give rise to anyone who gives rise to a thought of hatred towards those who are sawing your arms and legs off they would not. Uh, they would not. Uh, not be acting according to my teachings. So you're not trying to pretend. Oh ho! <laughs> oh, how happy I am that you're sawing my arms and legs off. I hope you chaps aren't, aren't straining yourselves too much. <laughs> so is uh, the, the you know the phrase that the Buddha uses is um, if you uh, one who gives rise to a mind of hatred towards them would not be carrying out my teaching. So. You're not pleased that they're doing that. You're not trying to pretend that you're happy that they're sawing your arms and legs off. Um, but you're not generating hatred on account of that. And, uh, and instead, as he encourages, you know, may, they, um, uh, may they have hearts that are free from, from enmity. May they, be, may, they, uh, um, uh, may they be at peace so that you're, you know, uh, may they... Uh, 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 May they be uh, at ease, so that you're not uh, you're not say even in an extreme situation like that. The, the Buddha said, oh, and he used that kind of image on purpose, because like, you'd think a little bit of, of a little bit of uh, of anger would be appropriate. You know, it's a teensy bit of resentment when someone's sawing your arms and legs off. It's kind of, it seems kind of a reasonable hatred, right? But he said, even in that situation, that where you would see it's completely justified, you know, if if the mind dwells in hatred towards another being, it is intrinsically out of harmony with with dhamma. It, it's you're intrinsically out of out of accord with with the reality of things. But um, yeah, so you're not trying to pretend that you like it, but you're also not letting the heart move towards hatred. But there's a a recognition of of. Um, Say, so, <clears throat> here are these poor deluded beings that are sawing me uh, up, and uh, they're creating really bad karma <laughs> on account of this. And so, um, may they may they be at ease, may they be free from suffering, and then maybe they'll stop <laughs> sawing me up. So I've, that's a very powerful teaching. That uh, even in a, a, in a completely unlovable situation like that, where it's extremely painful and uh, obviously life-threatening, even in a situation like that. There, there's no justification for dwelling in hatred, but rather to um, uh, to, to let go of that hatred and to cultivate a, a quality of acceptance. So that you know, it might seem that the Buddha's setting the bar pretty high <laughs> there, but he uses a, dr a dramatic image on purpose because if you if you have that in mind, you really take that to heart and say, okay, well there you are, having your your arms and legs sawed off. Even in that situation, if it's not allowable to to um, cultivate a mind of hatred, is it really appropriate to have those same kind of homicidal urges towards the person who, you know, who 
<clears throat> wears a, a, a nylon jacket in the meditation hall, or who kind of <laughs> who uh, swapped the chair from your office. You know, they took my chair, or they moved my plant, or or that uh, someone's parked in your place, and that we can uh, feel it's kind of reasonable to to dwell in negativity and aversion. But uh, the Buddha said, even if they're sawing your arms and legs off, to dwell in aversion, to, to cultivate hatred, is intrinsically out of harmony with things. So that, that um, when, we, when we take that kind of teaching to heart, and then we see that uh, this is a capacity that we all have. And when we, uh, when we learn to develop that radical acceptance, uh, Again, it's not pretending that we like the unlikable, but saying, here it is. This, and even if it's not a bandits or soaring, soaring your arms and legs off, maybe it's having some kind of debilitating illness and you have to go to hospital and, and you're, you're having some kind of very painful treatment, chemotherapy, or, or even having a, a limbs amputated through by, by, by doctors, that that's what you need to have happen in order to, to stay alive. Um, to cultivate uh, that sense of, of acceptance. Well, I wouldn't have chosen this, but here it is. This is, this is what's happening. This is the result of, of having a, a, a human body that this is the kind of things that we, we can experience in life. So here it is. So that, that quality of loving kindness then is a, a, a profound basis for peace. You're not just switching off and, and uh, going numb. You're not uh, resenting. But you're, uh, in a way, you're bringing your heart into attunement with the reality of things, and then uh, we're able to, to uh, say, relate to our own life and then to those around us from a, a non-reactive place. I also, you might think that that, that um, story about, or that the image that the Buddha uses, is a bit fanciful or, or remote. But uh, there's a, a famous story of a great uh, Chinese master, Master Xu Yun, uh, that some of you might be familiar with. That um, he was so highly respected in China. He was uh, <clears throat> born in the uh, uh, 1830s, I think born in 1839, and he lived until 1959, so he was 120 when he died. He'd made a vow to be a monk for 100 years. And uh, he was so highly respected and so uh, accomplished that he, he was appointed the, the head of all five different lineages of Buddhism in China. So he was very much a, a, a persona non grata. Uh, he was a, a dangerous person to the uh, uh, the communist revolutionaries. And so uh, during the time of the the, uh, the revolution, he was 110 years old. The Red Guard came to his monastery, and uh, they um, they sort of took him uh, took him out and then, and then beat him with uh, wooden clubs and, and broke his arms and legs and left him for dead. And then, to the amazement of of his uh, his disciples and the other monks in the monastery he he didn't die he and he slowly recovered the news uh, that he was not dead and reached the the uh, the the, uh, uh, the communist uh, army again they came back and they beat him up again using metal bars on the second time so uh, they they beat him again broke his uh, broke his limbs and 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 beat him to a pulp and, and left him but again he uh, he didn't die and uh, he was uh, unconscious for many days, and then when he he came round, then his disciples said to him, "So, Shurfu, Shurfu, please, you know, we realize you have you know, extraordinary mental capacities, 
and um, that you are um, you're staying alive because of, of, uh, of compassion for us who would be so heartbroken if you passed away but you know you're terribly injured you're in extreme pain your body's really been broken um, please don't just stick around for our benefit you know if, if you want to just relinquish the the life uh, life force then please feel most welcome to do so because uh, we don't want you to be experiencing this kind of physical pain and misery on account of us and he said well, it's not for you because <laughs> it's true i am staying alive through my own will but it's not for you it's for the the benefit of the guards who uh, the red guard who beat me up because if i died on account of their actions the karmic result for them would be so awful uh, I, I wouldn't uh, i couldn't bear to be responsible for that so that's why i'm staying alive so after that he recovered and um, he lived another 10 years after that and if any of you are familiar with um, the books chan and zen training by charles luke uh, there's a dharma teachings that master shu yun gave from a, a retreat in shanghai uh, that was uh, uh, when he was 114 so four years after that uh, that he he's uh, he was still running retreats and giving teachings uh, after that time and so that was uh, uh, he, he was a very remarkable being indeed so that uh, that sense of uh, of being in the, the presence of something that's sort of uh, uh, so so painful or so difficult but yet choosing not to dwell in aversion and not to to be guided by that it's it's possible for us Now, the, um, on a much more everyday scale, you know, we're not, we're not uh, being beaten up or attacked in, in that way, but uh, <clears throat> we can see for ourselves in terms of what's the benefit of loving-kindness meditation, that uh, when we find this capacity to accept and to uh, be open to even the, the, un, uh, the unwanted, the, the difficult, uh, the, the painful, then it it uh, not only is a basis for peace in ourselves but also it has a good effect on the the people around us and just yesterday i was in london uh, we were doing a little um, house blessing or flat blessing for uh, george sharp who was the um, chairman of the english sangha trust for a long time and the one who invited ajahn Chah and ajahn sameda to come to england back in the 1970s so he just moved to a new place and so we were uh, doing a blessing uh, for that and uh, his his son Ben was telling me a story how so just a, a few weeks ago, uh, and they were talking about aversion in particular and the sort of the, the sharp family trait, <laughs> inclination towards uh, negativity that, uh, that that both father and son experience from time to time. And Ben uh, Ben Sharp was saying how he uh, he'd been out with friends um, uh, in. Um, uh, in part in London, I think it was in Dalston somewhere. So it was a rough part of town, and it was uh, early in the morning. And uh, he and a friend were just sort of going along to a cafe for, for, to get some breakfast. And uh, he said this this man had called out to him uh, from across the street, you know, asking for a cigarette. And he said, "I yeah, you know, I didn't hear him. Uh, quite honestly, I didn't hear anything said." But this man got really enraged and came charging over and was. Uh, and was threatening saying i'm going to kill you how can you ignore me i'm going to kill you i don't care i'll go to prison for you you know how can you dare to treat me like that you know i'm going to do you i'm going to do you and ben had said that uh yeah because uh, he'd been uh, doing a lot of reflecting and reading on the the teachings and, and so his mind was was very very quiet and peaceful and when this man came flying at him and threatening literally literally threatening to murder him 
uh, coming right at him, right in his face, saying, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill you, how dare you treat me like that? He said, I'm sorry, you know, I just didn't hear what you said. Look, this, I haven't got a problem with you, I haven't got a problem. And he said he put his, his, uh, his arm around this bloke and said, look, I haven't got a problem with you, you know, it's all right. He said, I'll kill you, I'll kill you. And he said, no, really, really, friend, you know, if I had a cigarette, I'd give it to you, but I haven't got one, and I, and I really, I wasn't trying to be rude, I just didn't hear you saying anything. And then, because uh, within him, there was no, he wasn't afraid, he wasn't uh, uh, irritated, he wasn't angry, but he just um, was able to receive this person's sort of blast. <laughs> he said, after a, f you know, a few more of these murder threats, <laughs> but I said, sorry about that. <laughs> You know, it's just, uh, been a, it's been a bad time. It's been a bad time, you know, so, uh, yeah, yo, thank you, thank you. This is great, this is great, you know. Uh, so I'm so glad I met you, you know. What can I, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? <laughs> and so within moments, the whole thing had been turned around where this bloke's literally about to, to um, attack him physically. And then just through that, that sort of receiving that wave of negativity, not recoiling from it, not pushing against it, but just... Recognizing, okay, well, here's, this, <laughs> here's this big guy coming at me and threatening violence. And to, to Ben's credit, he was able to um, to just uh, uh, react uh, to to respond uh, in a, in a, a skillful way. And then it turned the situation right around. And then and George at that point chimed in and said, "Yeah." And the other morning, <laughs> Ben came at me, <laughs> and he was all enraged because I'd. Uh, uh, you know, he was he was uh, trying to sleep in, and I just popped into his room and woken him up. And so uh, <clears throat> he said, "Yeah, Ben was coming at me, and he was he was raging away, and uh, and uh, you know, swearing and getting all in a huff about uh, how Dad had interrupted his sleep." And then uh, and George said, "So I still waited for my moment." And I just said, "That's enough." <laughs> and then in exactly the same way, then Ben was able to recognize. Yeah, that was pretty stupid, wasn't it? <laughs> I really lost it there. And then uh, being able to uh, to receive that feedback. So this, uh, uh, these kind of uh, interactions, uh, that uh, uh, these way of receiving negativity or feeling those kind of negative impulses in ourselves, being able to recognize what they are, to to see that we don't have to be afraid of them, we don't have to, to push them away, we're not pretending that we like them, uh, we have a difficult, painful, threatening situation, then that sense of, oh, here it is, uh, I didn't choose this, I wouldn't have asked for this, but this is, this is what's happening right now, that, uh, uh, that's what I would call a radical acceptance, saying, you know, this belongs, being harassed by you know, people, total strangers in, in the street, coming up and giving you a bad time, that's Part of life, right? <laughs> Especially if you're dressed like this, it's even more, it's even more of a common experience. <laughs> but uh, if if we are able to uh, say uh, accept that uh, that the impulses within ourselves are coming from outside, then not only does that form a basis for peace in ourselves, but it also it has a, a very a powerful effect on, on others. And, and you can be sure that for that fellow that. That he met on the street. That's uh, it's not going to be an encounter that he forgets. That'll be something that has a, a, a profound effect, one way and another. So the more that we can uh, develop this capacity to uh, attune ourselves to the time, the place, the situation, and have a, a, a quality of acceptance for the things in our life, our own 
difficulties, whether it's something extreme like being you know, attacked by somebody in the street, or whether it's just, say, being at peace with our own, um, say, diminishing faculties as our, as our hearing goes, or our vision goes, or our capacity to remember goes, or that of our, uh, those capacities of our loved ones, you know, things that a child of ours is very sick, or our partner is uh, uh, getting very uh, ill, or aged, or, or the, there is that uh, presence of things that we would never wish for, we would never choose, uh, to be able to, to cultivate loving-kindness is to recognize, well, here it is. This, is, this is the way things are. So again, you're not just becoming numb and, and, uh, and uh, passive, you're not um, re resenting and creating negativity, but in that quality of loving-kindness, you're opening up a responsivity. You're opening up yourself to, to how things are. And then from that, uh, that place of, of responsivity, then if there's something that can be done, then you, you, uh, you can speak or, or act uh, in, in a way that's appropriate. If nothing can be done, you find you can leave it alone and just allow things to, to pass by. Now the um, the the effect that that has on, on ourselves, or wh how that spreads around the world, we can't say. I, I would I would suggest you can't say. <laughs> the, you know, it, it's uh, it's mysterious how this works, um, but we can certainly recognize that the um, when you consider what the world is according to the Buddha's teaching, it's not just the planet with the, all of the the uh, animals and birds and fishes and different countries, but uh, if we ask the question, you know, how does metta practice benefit the world, it, uh, we can see directly that it, it benefits the world as we experience it, you know, the world of our own senses, the world of our mind and body, and that uh, our life, our lives are connected to the, the lives of, of other beings in one way, shape or form. You know, our lives uh, affect each other in smaller or larger ways. The exact degree to to, uh, to which we affect each other, uh, you can't calculate that. You can't measure that. The the impact of say Ben Sharp having that encounter with that that bloke on the street in Dalston, what what effect that will have in terms of spreading loving kindness, or having a, a positive effect in the world? Yeah, who knows? I mean, now it's it's in this dumber talk, <laughs> and it's, uh, and so maybe somebody will will uh, will hear this um, and. Uh, uh, hear this story and say, "Yeah, that's that's really a wonderful standard." Yeah, I never really thought of holding it that way. And then it can inform that person, or even just the the, uh, the ripples of uh, of the uh, the peaceful effect of someone's anger dissipating and being turned to appreciation. Just that on uh, in itself, on a some kind of mysterious and magnetic level, can ripple through the whole system. Yeah. We don't know. I would say we don't know. <laughs> But uh, what we can know is when we are able to, to see that uh, impulse within ourselves, we are able to, to recognize that, uh, that wave of, of fear, of jealousy, of anger, of impatience, of laziness. We're able to, to see that, to know that, and say, okay, I could take a, I could take a left turn here. <laughs> and uh, that, that's, the mind has the capacity to follow that. Like, I don't care, or, or how dare you? And we, we see that as a turn in the road. You know? And we say, okay, I could go down that direction, but I choose not to. So you're not, you're not hating that, you're not fearing that, 
you're recognizing what it is, where it goes, and you're, you can say, okay, I choose not to go that direction. I'll, I'll go this way towards forgiveness, towards patience, towards uh, uh, openness uh, and peacefulness. Uh, and uh, we, can, we can see, we can know that effect immediately, directly, and without any doubt whatsoever. There's no kind of um, mystery or, or magic involved with that. So the, um, uh, these are some you know, themes around loving kindness, and what I, how, what I found is uh, the most helpful way to relate to it. And that the um, uh, you know, those of you who have done more of the sort of systematic types of loving kindness meditation and found them very helpful, well, marvelous, good. Uh, I, I wouldn't presume to negate that, but uh, for myself, I found this this way of say. <clears throat> rather than using a loving-kindness meditation that is, uh, say, um, coming from uh, a set of ideas or coming from the head or list of beings, it's more helpful to, to bring it down into your own heart, into your own, your own feeling, and to, uh, say, find this, this uh, capacity to uh, accept uh, and to, to be, uh, uh, say, uh, at home with even the aspects of our life that we would never choose. Uh, say that someone uh, someone has a a, uh, a conflict with us, that they, they're nursing a resentment towards us, or that we have some kind of uh, painful memory, something that we've done in the past that's never going to go away, that uh, is a, 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 a regrettable me a memory that's, that's woven together with regret. If we are, if we are say, um, careful and attentive if we are thorough and we bring this attitude of, of, of loving kindness then it's remarkable how the world is transformed it's uh, our, our own world is is really uh, turned around in a in a very radical way that we are able to uh, in, a, in a mysterious sense you're, you're not going to make everything all right <laughs> we're not uh, going to have the um uh like the sort of Walt Disney-esque world of the, the uh, or like the Jehovah's Witness pamphlets where you have the sort of, the, the lambs cuddling up with the lions. <laughs> uh, it's not, the world's not going to be like uh, uh, all, uh, all like a, a Walt Disney film. But what we, what we are more able to find is that there's no situation that we are in, no, no situation, no eventuality in our life that we can't find a quality of, of peace and a quality of, of uh, attunement within that. We, we find ourselves uh, able to experience a quality of, of fearlessness. We become not afraid of, of things going in any particular direction. So when we experience difficulty, when we have illness within ourselves or those uh, around us, we see tension and stress, difficulty in the world, then we are neither do we find ourselves having to switch off and just push it away, or are we overwhelmed with anxiety and uh, and intimidation on account of it? But we find ourselves able to to open to the way things are, to the way the way the world is, and without uh, without any kind of confusion, we we find ourselves much more in accord and in, in harmony with life in, in in many many different ways, and so that that. Um, uh, that loving kindness 
being spread around the world, it, we find that it, we are experiencing it in the fact that we can receive the whole world. We can receive all the aspects of the world, the beautiful, the ugly, the, the, the neutral, the, the wished for and the unwished for. Uh, we can receive it all and, uh, and say, find a place in the heart where it all belongs. Uh, and again, just to, to reiterate, we're not trying to make ourselves ha you know, happy that <laughs> the, you know, the ice caps are melting or that species are, are becoming more and more extinct or that uh, the, uh, the wars that are going on and the, the abusive governments uh, and uh, violent groups are, are carrying out their actions. We're not pretending that we like it or that it's, it's, it's good and fine. But we're able to to find that place in the heart where we're we're able to see, yeah, this is this is the world, this is our our life, this is what we're part of, and uh, that that quality of of fearlessness means that we're then able to respond and to offer what we can in the different areas of life where we can have an effect, and the things that we can't uh, we can't have an effect on or that are out of our reach, then we we find ourselves able to leave that alone without feeling that there's something that uh, you know, we should have done or it, it's um, something that causes us a kind of ongoing you know, stress and uh, a, a kind of um, uh, disquiet and, and uh, depression within ourselves. So I'll leave these thoughts for you to consider today and then we'll uh, have a um, a pause for some refreshments. I can hear the cups rattling in the kitchen, so they'll probably come out onto the servery any minute now, and then uh, about 20 past we'll gather back together for uh, some discussion. <laughs>